that is set aside when we remember all of those that have given the ultimate sacrifice, given their lives so that we can be meeting together like we are tonight, have the freedom in our country that we enjoy. I was just looking up something uh, yesterday on the Internet about um, Memorial Day and about the, our military history. I thought found this kind of interesting. This puts everything in perspective for us. It says this, since the beginning of the American Revolution, more than 43 million men and women have served in the armed military during wartime. In some 230 years of military heritage, more than 650,000 Americans have been, lost their lives and more than one Point four million service members have been wounded in battle. So, I mean, we need to remember and we need to honor people that have laid down their lives for our country. And one thing that I would have to say about all the things that have gone on in our nation down through history is this, that America is standing strong. And I want to say tonight, God bless America. It may not be perfect, but it is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I, for one, am thrilled to be a citizen of the United States of America. How about you? And we need to honor what God has done in our land. And we need to be, we need to realize that God raised our nation up. And as imperfect as our nation may be, it still is a shining example around the world of what freedom looks like. Think of the men and women that, I mean, they try to get into this nation. They will put themselves in danger and in harm's way just for the opportunity to be in America. This is a great country, not only in the natural, but God's stamp of approval is upon our nation. We are not going under, we are going over. We have seen God's hand move in our behalf time and time again. Down throughout history, the revivals that have taken place in our nation, when it looked like things were dark, when it looked like people's hearts were turning away from God. God always had a group. Sometimes it was a small group of people, but he's always had a group that would get on their knees and would cry out to God for mercy and ask him to send revival once again in our land. There's awesome books about the revivals that have happened throughout our history. But just in the past hundred years, think about this. No, not anybody was alive. (laughs) Some of you remember, though, nobody was alive in 1906. But think about what happened in 1906. The Azusa Street outpouring where the Holy Spirit came down upon that group of people. And that revival lasted for years and it spread through other to other nations. God, there was an awakening in 1906. And then some of us were alive during the healing revival of the late 1940s on up through 1957. Men, things happened. People were healed. Miraculous things began to happen. 
happened. Men like Earl Roberts came on this scene. Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, different ones that preached healing. And I'm, I've just been told it was like healing was in the air. People were getting healed right and left in churches that had never preached it before. God was showing himself strong. It was an outpouring. It was a manifestation of God's grace and God's glory. Then we move on to the 1960s. Some of you may have been involved in the hippie movement, but in the 1960s, there was also the charismatic renewal when a lot of hippies got born again. Hallelujah. And a lot of religious people got filled with the Holy Spirit. Denominational people. What a tremendous outpouring. What a tremendous move. And then in the 1970s, it was like there was a revival of the preaching of the Word. That we begin to hear truths from the Word of God. It was a teaching revival where scriptures were opened unto us. And we began to find out who we were in Christ Jesus. In Him, reality truths. And then in the 1990s, praise God, I like this one. In the 1990s, there was a movement of joy. Hallelujah. The church had been kind of stiff and kind of sad. And so it was like God poured out an extra dose of joy. And you know, I'm just waiting to see what he's going to do in the 2000s. But I know it's going to be good. My point is our nation has been blessed and God has continually poured out his spirit upon our nation. And it's not going to be any different in our future. Our future is bright. God bless America and God send revival to our land once again. I'm believing that in the 2000s we're going to see all of these revivals I just mentioned all hooked up together. There's going to be multitudes getting filled with the Spirit. There's going to be just tremendous healings and miracles. And we're going to be happy. Hallelujah. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. When He fills His church with glory like we know He's about to do, we're going to be a happy bunch. Amen. So anyway, it's awesome. To think about what God has done and to look forward to the future with expectancy. And it's an awesome thing that our nation has these kind of of holidays where we honor people, where we honor the fallen, where we honor veterans and different things. It's awesome that we celebrate and honor men and women who paid the ultimate price. And we're believing that there are going to be more Pioneers and more heroes that are going to step to center stage to help change the direction of our nation. Amen. That's why we pray for our leaders and pray that God would raise up people of integrity, people that will honor God, people of strong Christian values that get in positions of authority that would help to turn our nation in the direction that it needs to go. So it's a good thing to honor people. And it's a good thing to pray for our nation. But tonight what we are going to center in on is we are going to celebrate the greatest hero that ever lived. You know who that is? The Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about paying the ultimate price. 
He paid the ultimate price for our freedom. He shed his precious blood for us. He gave his best. He gave his all. I was just looking at this scripture today, and I know all of you can quote John 3, 16, but I was looking at it in the Amplified Version. And you know, it's pretty cool. Let's all quote it in the King James or the way that we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And today, when I looked at it, In the Amplified, it says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He even gave up His only begotten unique Son that whosoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on Him shall not perish, shall not come to destruction, but have eternal everlasting life. And that phrase shall not come to destruction just stood up. It just stood out to me. I think because, you know, this morning, if you aren't here, you need to get that CD. But pastor was reading out of Psalms 103 and he camped for a bit there on Psalms 103 verse 4. And I'll just quote it to you. Who redeems your life from destruction. And he started talking about that we are redeemed from destruction. That's one of the reasons that Jesus came. It says it right here. He gave us his very best. He died on the cross for us to redeem us, spirit, soul, and body, and to keep our lives from destruction. The devil is the destroyer. Doesn't the Bible say in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life. Hallelujah. Life everlasting. Life at its best. So we can celebrate the fact that we don't have to be destroyed. We don't have to be subject to all the things that are going on in the world. Again, Pastor talked about it, all the horrible devastation that's happening through this ungodly weather. I mean, it's crazy. The earth is rocking and reeling and, and it's groaning. It's looking forward to that time when there's going to be a new earth. You know, this earth is not going to run out. We're not going to not have enough oil. We're not going to have enough food. The monkeys are not going to run out of bananas in the jungle. It's all covered until the set time. But there is a day when this earth is going to pass away. And while we're getting close to that, all this stuff that's happening in the atmosphere and all of this stuff that's going on in the earth, it is a sign of the times. But yet we do not have to fear. He said he redeems our life from destruction. Do you want to hear a good, fresh testimony about protection and having your life redeemed from destruction? Well, most of you know that I'm from Pawnee, Oklahoma, and I have a lot of relatives that still live there. I was just counting it up the other day in like a four mile square radius. I've got two sisters, I mean, two brothers, one sister. Then you go down the other road and I have 
a nephew, then you go around on the other side, and I have a niece. Then you go to the end of this square, four-mile square, and I have another nephew. So that's six relatives in a four-mile radius. It's not, it's not a cult, and it's not a compound. They just all live out there. Two of them live on the same property that I grew up on. So they just all live out there in the little Edwards section of Pawnee County. Well, anyhow... I don't know if you watch the news or not, but the other day I, I was, uh, I don't remember where I was, and I get a text from Terry, Sister Terry, and she says, I'm pleading the blood over your family. And I'm like, what? Why? Good, great, whatever. And then she texts me back and says, there's tornadoes all over Oklahoma. And I hadn't been even watching the news or the weather or anything that day. Actually, it was Monday. So I uh, called my sister-in-law, and I happened to call her on Monday evening, and she said, we are all over at Troy, who is my nephew. He's a builder. We're at Troy's house because inside their house, they built this great big safe room. Great big safe room is like concrete walls that are about this wide. And it's huge. And it's in their bedroom. They use it for a closet and for storage. So Sally said, there's 30 of us over here. We're under a severe thunderstorm, I'm a tornado watch. And then uh, she proceeds to tell me, I find out later actually from my brother, that everybody's in the safe room, of course, except Ricky. And, uh, <laughs> and this is the other thing. If our life is to be redeemed from destruction, not only do we have to do what pastor said out of Psalms 91 today, we got to abide we got to say we got to declare we got to set our affections on him but we also have to be led ricky was supposed to be out of town he was supposed to be flying out of town to go to a meeting on monday on friday he got in his heart that he shouldn't go and he canceled the meeting so we know what happened on sunday in topeka i mean in joplin and then here on monday this storm is covering oklahoma so this is what happened. They're all over there. Ricky's outside with Troy. They're watching these storms. They see a funnel cloud come down. It came down, almost touched the ground. It was heading right toward their house. He spoke to it. He said, no, you don't in the name of Jesus. The funnel cloud went back up in the clouds, went over their house. They're standing out there watching it, came down again. And hand, it headed toward my niece's house, his daughter's. She lives just like half a mile from Troy. Headed toward her house. They spoke to it again said, no, you don't. You're not going to come nigh any of our dwellings. You're not going to destroy any property. You're not going to bring any hurt or harm to any of ours. And then they extended it. You're not going to hurt anybody in our church. I mean, he, you can do that. You can go out into your territory, out into your domain. He redeems our life from destruction and all of those that belong to us, all of those that are connected to us. Well, it was later discovered that there around Pawnee, within a 15-mile radius, there were 12 funnel clouds, clouds that came down. Every one of them either came down, just touched the ground and went back up, or just came down and didn't even touch the ground. 12 funnel clouds in a 15-mile radius. And no damage, no loss of life, no hurt or harm to any property. God redeems our life from destruction. Look what the Lord hath done. Hallelujah. 
He's given us eternal life, but He has also given us the ability to walk in victory right here, right now. Even here at the end of this age, we do not have to succumb to the attacks of the devil. We do not have to be overcome with fear, but we have to be filled with faith and we have to know who we are in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has given us the victory. He whipped the devil. He rose up victorious, triumphant over him. And he's given us the keys to walk in that same victory. As a matter of fact, let's look over at Colossians chapter 2. I just went, dropped by tonight to remind all of us what the Lord has done. Talk about a hero. He's the greatest hero that ever lived. And we know him as our Lord and as our Savior. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, again in the Amplified, God disarmed. Everybody say disarmed. God disarmed the principalities and the powers that were raged against us. And he made a bold display and a public example of them. Triumphing over them, triumphing over them in him and in the cross. Hallelujah. Jesus stripped the enemy of his ability to harm us. Don't you love that word? He disarmed them. He disarmed them. That tells me he took his weapons away. Some of you may be like me. You might have grown up watching a lot of westerns. And one and one of the things that they would always do, if there was an enemy, if they were camped out there somewhere in the bush and there was this enemy, they wanted to make the playing field a little more even. So they would sneak into their camp at night and they'd steal their guns. And they'd run off all their horses. So when their enemy woke up the next morning, they had been disarmed. They were left helpless. They didn't have anything to fight them with. And that's the way Jesus did the devil. He disarmed him. He spoiled him. He made a show of him openly. He went into the enemy's camp and he took his 22 rifle. He took his machine gun. He took his cannon. He took all his weapons. He disarmed him. And now all the devil has to fight us with are lies and deception. He walks around like he's got a machine gun, but it doesn't have any bullets. He's shooting blanks. Jesus took all the bullets away from him. Or he might, you know, he might pretend like he's got a little gun. And all it is is a cap gun. You know what a cap does? A cap doesn't do anything but make a bunch of noise and a little smoke. That's all that the devil has against us. Because our champion, our hero... Disarmed him. He spoiled him. He made a show of him 
openly. He's a true hero. Listen to this definition of a hero. And just think if this doesn't describe Jesus. A man of distinguished courage or ability. Admired for his brave deeds and his noble qualities. A heroic act or a heroic act that he has performed. Jesus is the great performer. He doesn't just talk about being a hero. He doesn't just talk about redeeming us. He doesn't just talk about healing us. He is a man of his word. He's got the ability and he's got the desire. He's got the willingness to meet our needs. Hallelujah. He has provided a way of escape for us from any attack of the enemy. He is full of heroic deeds. He knows how to act and to perform on our behalf. He did this in order that you and I could live in victory. I'm just reading you some familiar scriptures tonight, but I'm happy about it. Are you happy about the word? <clears throat> I'm so happy I got to take a drink of water. Because when I get happy, I can't be quiet. Woo! John chapter 8, verse 36. You know what? We should never have the attitude. Oh, wow. There she goes again. Getting all excited. Reading all those scriptures that we've heard hundreds of times again. So what if you've heard them? Do you believe it? Are you acting on it? Is it inbred on the inside of you what Jesus has done for you? Do you really believe that you are more than a conqueror? Do you really believe that you can overcome anything that comes your way? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. We're going to keep preaching who we are and what he has done. Until the rapture. Because that's those truths that will cause you to be free. And cause you to walk in victory. Amen. John 8, 36. Again, in the Amplified. So if the Son liberates you. Does that sound like somebody setting somebody free? If the Son liberates you and makes you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. There's all sorts of movements that want to liberate people. Talk about the 60s, women's lib and all of this stuff. You know, we got to get the women free. Well, you know, I'm not saying that women shouldn't be free, but I'm certainly not promoting ERA and all of that garbage. It's through him. Man can't really set anybody else free. If people are bound on the inside, no degree, no counseling can set them free. But true liberation and true freedom comes through him. It says the son will liberate you. And when the son liberates you, you are really and unquestionably free. Hallelujah. How many of you are free? Free indeed. Hallelujah. Because Jesus has set you free. He set you free from the guilt of the past. Set you free from all that wrong thinking and all of that garbage. Thank God for our freedom. 
in Jesus. Amen. Do you know that freedom ain't free? The freedom that we experience in our nation has cost people their lives. 650,000 to be exact have died so that we can have our natural liberties and our natural freedoms. But the very best that heaven had to offer, the son of the most high God, the precious lamb of God, he's the one that died to liberate us, to give us freedom. Freedom is not free. And when it's been offered, we ought to take it. We ought to partake of it. And we ought to enjoy the benefits of it. We're there in John 8. Now look up at verse 31, 32. I want to look at that in the Amplified. I mean in the King James. John 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. If you abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth. Will make you free. It's not just coming to church occasionally. It's not just once in a while listening to a CD. He says we need to abide in the truth. That means we need to live. We need to dwell in the secret place. We need to live. We need to abide in the word of the living God. That's what brings freedom. If you are struggling in an area, if you're struggling with an addiction, if you're struggling with low self-worth, if there's some disease that is attacking your body, don't just lay down and accept it. Get into the word. Abide in the word. Find out what this word has to say about your case and about your situation. There's nothing that the enemy brings our way that the word won't set you free from. But you have to continue in the word. Over and over, Jesus stressed. The value of having the word of God in us. We won't look at it, but over in John 15, 7, he said, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, what's going to happen? Ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Do you want to have your prayers answered? Do you want to have your prayers answered? Do you want to bear fruit in the kingdom of God? Then it can't be in and of ourselves. It's got to be through us being vitally connected, vitally united with him and his word abiding on the inside of us. Do you want to live a victorious life? Do you want to enjoy freedom? Then meditate on the word of God. The psalmist David said, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you keep bumping up against the same thing over and over and you can't seem to get deliverance and freedom over that, then my advice to you is to find scriptures and to meditate upon them, to quote them, to read them every single day. You know, it's amazing to me that people say, I just can't 
remember Bible verses. But they know every single line of James Brown's popular songs. I don't even know them, but I know there's one of I feel good. And what's the rest of the words? I feel good. I knew that I would. I knew that I would. See, see, see. <laughs> or the one, I know it's not the title of it. I had to ask Esther today, but the one that says Papa was a rolling stone. What's the next line to that? <laughs> Esther, you're too young to know all of these. Anyway, but that's the way it is. We remember what we listen to all the time. If you got your radio on constantly on the oldies, you're going to get those oldies down on the inside of you. For me, when I married pastor, I didn't even know the oldies because I grew up very Pentecostal. We didn't listen much to secular music. But when, oh, Pastor Tom, I got a witness here. But sometimes we say to PT like this song and he's like, huh? (laughs) But you turn on the oldie station. Now I know the oldies just as an adult from listening to them. But whatever you listen to gets on the inside of you. Give first place to the word. Don't constantly say, I just can't remember the word. I just don't know what the Bible says. Yes, you can. If you'll put it, give it precedence. If you'll make it first place. This is a trick of the devil. Too often we forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. Forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. Those same people that will say, I just can't remember scriptures. But they can give you every single minute detail of how Aunt Sally wronged them 20 years ago. They know every little detail and every little word. That was spoken. Whatever is important to us, we can remember. Don't get caught up in that trap of forgetting what you should remember and remembering what you should forget. We're going to remember what the Lord hath done. We're going to celebrate what our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords has provided for us. Jesus came to set the captives free and being bound by lies and deception and wrong thoughts of the devil is not freedom. Another passage of scripture familiar Luke chapter four, verse 18. Y'all be excited. Be excited about the word. Hallelujah. I don't care how many times you've read these scriptures. They're good. It's good. The word is good. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight. And to send forth as delivered those who were oppressed, who were downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Jesus, why did you come? He came to preach the gospel, which is the good news.
news. Jesus isn't coming to give you bad news. Jesus didn't come to say, everybody can be saved. Everybody can be redeemed except you. You're just a really dirty rascal. There's no hope for you. No, good news. Anybody in here need some good news? Jesus came to give us good news. And then I love this part. It says he came to release. He came to announce. Don't you like that? Announce release to the captives. Glory be to God. If anybody in here is not born again tonight, I'm here to announce to you that you are released from being bound by sin. Hallelujah. You are released from being bound by addictions. Jesus came to announce freedom, to announce release to the captives. Glory be to God. Just think about it. When our military have gone into nations where they have captured prisoners of war and our men have been sometimes bound up and locked up for years. And when they see the boots of that United States Marine or that United States soldier, when they see them coming to unlock that prison door, don't you know that they're happy because those soldiers have come to announce and to release that then release them and to let them know that they are no longer captives, that the prison door is open and those those ones, those prisoners of war, you've seen it, where they get down on the ground and they are kissing the boots of those American soldiers because it represents freedom. Hallelujah. Well, that's what Jesus did for us. Every single one of us. I don't care how goody, goody two-shoe you think that you are or you were. Every single person in here was on their way to hell because of sin, because of the curse. But Jesus came and he unlocked the prison door. He came to announce release. Glory to God. He is our hero. He is our champion. He is our deliverer. He is the one who sets people free. And I want you to know that Jesus doesn't want anything or anyone to be bound anymore. The only thing that he wants bound is the devil. The only thing that he wants locked up and held captive is the works of the enemy. Sickness and disease. You can make your own list. Anything that is of the the devil. That's what Jesus came to bind. But he came to set us free. Because Jesus is free. He wants us free. Can you handle one last scripture over in Psalms chapter 51 verse 12? Look at this in the King James. I'm telling you tonight, we are going to be happy in our freedom. Some of you don't look happy now, but you're going to be happy. For nothing else, just be happy that I'm almost done. Just get your smile on, get your joy on, thinking, oh, wow, we're almost done. Hallelujah. No, we honor the word here. Do y'all honor the word? Hallelujah. We celebrate what Jesus has done. 
Here in Psalms 51 verse 12, it says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. With thy free spirit. See, Jesus isn't bound. Jesus upholds us with a spirit that is free. And because he is free, he wants us to walk in that freedom. He displayed it so you and I can be liberated. He upholds us with his free spirit. Don't you think a free spirit is a happy spirit? Don't you think a free spirit is one that is full of joy? When you are free from something, you're not bound. When you are free from something, it's not on your mind. It's not worrying you. When you're free from worry, you're not sitting there biting your fingernails. When you're free from a sickness and disease, you're not having to take a bunch of pills and medication because you're free from it. When you're free from depression and oppression, you're not walking around with your head down, but you're looking up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you're free from this thing that the enemy tries to hound you with, this thing of of you're not good enough and and you don't measure up and what are they thinking about you and and what are they saying and all that kind of garbage that just feeds in to bondage and feeds in to insecurity. When you're free from that, you walk around thinking, I'm accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you're not giving that a thought. It's not like you want to displease people, but you're not so concerned about what they might be saying or they might be doing because you're free from that garbage. All that kind of stuff is bondage. But Jesus, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, to preach the good news, to set the captives free, to announce, release. Hallelujah. And when we get to when we get to that place, Where we realize and we have revelation of all that he has done and all that he has provided and the victory that he has won. Then we truly walk about as free men. Liberated. Set free. No longer bound. So what should we do? Oh, we should We should rejoice in our redemption. For we are redeemed. We are released. Woo, hallelujah. So back And so just remember when you first got born again when you heard the gospel perhaps for the first time you responded 
and you receive Jesus, remember that burden that was lifted. Remember that release that came into your spirit when the yokes of bondage were destroyed by the anointing. Remember that joy of your salvation. Some of you, even when you were first born again, you just couldn't quit smiling because so much had been lifted off of you. So much release from guilt and condemnation had been destroyed. Do not be entangled again with the yokes of bondage. One of the biggest tricks of the devil is to try to get that same bondage to come back into our lives. That's why the word does say, stand fast in the liberty where Christ has set you free. That's Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has set you free. And be not entangled again with the yokes of bondage. And entanglement is like something that gets all intertwined. Have you ever had a bunch of cords that were tangled up? And it took you forever to get them untangled. That's what the devil wants to do in our lives. Entangle us. Get things all wrapped up around us again. That used to bother us. Before we're born again. Don't let him do it. Stand fast. In the liberty. Wherewith Christ has set you free. Freedom is a fact. In our spirits. But we have to contend for it to be a reality. In our lives. Just like all of the promises of God. They are a fact. In the word. But they don't just happen and show up. We got to contend. Hallelujah. But we got some contenders in here tonight. Amen. Glory be to God. Let's just all stand to our feet right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word.